With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Unmuted. Okay. Okay, uh, do we have someone on? Yes, I think so. I'm sorry, who, who's on? This is Brian. Can you hear me? Yeah, Brian, I can hear you loud and clear. Okay. Sorry about all the technical difficulties we're having. I guess, um, you know, I, I have no idea what's happening. I've just been, uh, I felt like I've been talking into dead air. And uh, according to Christian, I guess we got, uh, finally got three callers uh, back on. But uh, he'll he'll uh, keep them in the queue, and let's just go ahead and get started with you, uh, Brian. I messaged you a little bit earlier, and you probably know that uh, this show, uh, even though we're getting getting it started a little bit late, we'll still get it all in. Uh, we want to talk about 9/11, so can you can you tell us uh, where you were uh, when the uh, when the planes hit the uh, uh, twin uh, twin towers? Yeah, I was in a place I'll never forget, that's for sure. I was in a situation where God got me alone. Let's just put it that way. Okay, and uh, uh, do you remember, uh, did, did you find... Did you experience the attack uh, as it was happening, or did you hear about it later? No, for a solid week, that's all we did is watch TV. Okay, so you you were watching it the morning that it actually took place then? Within a few minutes, maybe an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I, I, I just saw the uh, smoke and flames of the first tower. Um, my late wife Jane uh, saw it happen. Um, I, I don't know how uh, they did it that they had a camera on that and they were able to pick that up right away. But I saw the second one. So, uh, did you know anyone that was uh, in a, it, involved in any of those attacks? I mean, anyone that was killed or uh, injured? Not personally, no. I have a friend of mine that claims he was there, but I don't necessarily buy it. Just from all my research of 9/11, I don't buy it. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, there's been like sporting events where everybody that said they were there to see a certain event, you know, if 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 they everyone was there, there'd have been like three million people in the stands. Well, so. the, the the thing is, the first responders that were there. Remember, yeah. the EPA said, don't worry about. Uh, gas masks or respirators, they are safe. Well, most all the first responders are dead today because the air was not safe. They died from lung. You know, I forgot. 
I forgot about that. I'm glad you brought that up. That, and I think that's why we want to get everybody on and talking about it because I think we'll be able to recall a lot of things that happened. Yeah, our wonderful EPA, they were, um, yeah. Okay, so what What was your, uh, when did you first realize that it was a, a, a terrorist attack? Well, if you believe the official story, within the first two days, I'd say, because that was the official story in the mainstream media. Okay, um, let, let's um, let's go back and uh, I, I, let, let me uh, get this thing started. Now we got some callers on and everything, uh, Brian. Uh, I'm going to. Uh, I, I think I mentioned a little bit, but I, I was uh, I was at home uh, as a consultant. I was on the beach that week, and uh, and I guess same thing as you watch TV all week. Uh, I remember uh, we went to uh, church that night. There was a special service uh, that evening at seven o'clock. Every eh, quite a few people uh, came and prayed, and uh, of course, then you know we were starting to find out exactly what happened. And uh, my son Christian is the engineer on here. And Christian, can you hear me? Yep, loud and clear. Okay, uh, tell us where tell us where you were when uh, when the uh, the attack happened. I was on the flight line at Minot Air Force Base, uh, working security. Okay, and so uh, how did you find out what had happened and uh, what was going on on the base then? Because um, you were part of uh, uh, Minot security forces, and I guess uh, everybody knows that's one of the three nuke bases that we have in this country: Minot and Barksdale and. Uh, What's the one out in uh, Nevada? Is it Nellis? Nellis. Yeah, Nellis. Yeah. The three nuke um, bases. So what was happening on the flight line, and who told you what, and, you know, that type of thing? We were currently going through what's called Global Guardian, and it's a massive um, nationwide exercise that encompasses every every uh, branch that has some kind of interface with nuclear weapons uh, and technology. And they do these all right around the fall period. Um, and this happened to be in early September, a couple of them been in October. And um, Minot Air Force Base has three flight, three flight lines. They have the, uh, the main flight line, which is where they usually have about 12 to 16 B-52s parked. Uh, they have and that's the MPA, the main parking area. They have the APA, which is the alternate parking area. Um, and they, they generally do Global Guardian exercises on the APA. They have about 10 or 12 planes out there. Um, and then they have a third one, and, and the base kind of is like a nice rectangular shape, but the, the OPA, the overflow parking area, sticks out kind of like a thumb. So I, it's, uh, it usually only has one patrol of two people who are on the OPA, and that happened to be where I was that day. Uh, so I actually didn't have any of the planes near me. But during Global Guardian for the Air Force, they bring the munitions guys bring out all the nuclear weapons, and each B-52 can carry 18, uh, six under each wing that are actually stealth missiles, and then six under the belly in sort of a revolver-style rotary uh, drop system. 
and they drive these out in these convoys. And as security forces, you know, it's our job to ensure that we provide the adequate security for the, the convoys. And then there's a man at the front and back of each plane, and it's all very, um, very tight security while this is going on because there's live nukes out on the runways. And it, it's basically a exercise to see how fast we can generate nuclear-ready aircraft, um, and they do one every year. Okay, so, so this uh, is a very could, structured uh, process that that you guys yes. uh, that, that the uh, Air Force personnel are well trained in. Absolutely, it's it's something we do as a base, just ourselves, every year in the spring, and then it's something nationwide the country does every fall. Uh, and Minot obviously participates in that. So this, there was, is, this is not something that we're not used to. Yeah, there was a lot of drills that day. So, there were. Christian, uh, when, when all so this I, was I found happening, out, uh, were, were nukes happen. actually loaded on the aircraft? Nukes were on the were on the APA runway, sitting in their gantries, and then some of them were loaded on the planes, and they were in the process of loading, and it was, I think, the first day of actual loading uh, for the planes. And I remember sitting in, I was sitting in a, 1980s Ford Bronco, you know, Midnight Blue, uh, with with a girl who had, I think this was like her first week on flight, you know, acting as a security forces member. And um, the wavering war tone came, came over the speakers, you know, in the morning. And we had been on post since about 5 a.m. So, you know, the sun was still kind of coming up and everything. And um, I kind of, did a double take because we've never heard the wavering war tone and when it goes off and no one says it's a drill, it means we're at war. So immediately I jumped out of the vehicle and threw on all my tactical gear and threw on my vet, my flak vest, my helmet, got my gun and there is there's 10 buildings on the OPA that are old flight readiness buildings that are full of uh, bunk beds and bathrooms showers and locker rooms and stuff like that for the pilots to, uh, you know, use. And it used to be kind of one of the main uh, runways. And there's also a big tower. So not really knowing what's going on and, and no patrols came to the OPA to fill me in, I immediately went and started clearing all these buildings. And, you know, I've got the new girl who's just in her pants, um, you know, guarding the doorway while I go in and clear all those rooms out, thinking that there might be somebody in there. Um, and then finally, when I was satisfied that all those were clear and that the OPA was safe, I called you up to find out. If you remember, I called you up and said, hey, you know, our sirens are going off. Is there something happening in the world right now? And you told me that, you know, someone was flying airplanes into the into the trade centers. And I thought, oh, man, well, that made everything very real for me. And then eventually somebody came by and, you know, said they didn't know what was going on. And I told them, and I don't think anybody officially knew on base, at least security wise until probably noon or one o'clock in the afternoon. Which would have been your local time. Uh, noon would have been two o'clock New York time. Uh, we were central. Standard oh, you were time. Cent Central. Okay, mm -hmm. so one o'clock New York time, and it all happened about 
nine o'clock, uh, eight o'clock your time. So it took you about four hours to uh, to find out what was happening. And I remember you calling because uh, that that was uh, we you know we were concerned what was going on. Now what would happen if these B-52s that were being loaded with nukes would have taken off with nukes? What what would that signify? Or what would what would that the, uh, the the B-52s can never take off with the nukes on board. Um, and, and of course, it's been 15 years since that happened for me. But as I recall, if a nu- if a nuclear carrying B-52, if those bombs are loaded and it's not you know verified 12 different times with all of our allies and everybody across the world, it's it's an act of war. And everyone in Russia and every other country puts their fingers on the button because there might be a, you know, so, something might be happening. Those B-52s carrying those nuclear weapons, it, one B-52 loaded up is the world's sixth most dangerous power on the earth. So it, it is more dangerous than most of the European nations that have nuclear weapons. Um, and those, nu- those a lot of those nuclear weapons can travel thousands and thousands of miles. So that B-52 doesn't have to fly very far to pretty much wipe any country off the map. So it's it's a pretty big deal to put the nukes on the plane, and the planes never take off with the nuclear weapons on them. They don't even taxi. The, the exercise is to put them up on the plane, start the engines, say that, yes, we got all the nukes on the plane in this amount of time, turn off the engines, take them off the plane, and put them back in the uh, in the bunkers. So that's a typical training exercise then. And so if the, if a B-52 goes wheels up, it's an act of war. Absolutely. Wow. So you all you all were right there on the front lines, wondering what's going to happen because uh, who, who knew? Who when we knew? eventually found out that when we eventually got the intel that it was Islamic terrorists, uh, the first thing we all started doing was really paying attention to the fences that, you know, we're, we're supposed to guard every day. Um, it, it, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of heightened tension going around for the security guys. Okay. That, that's interesting. Okay. Who else do we have on that we can, uh, that we can bring on to hear their experience? Uh, let's see here. Hold on. Muted. All right, uh, caller with area code five one six. That'd be yep. Jerry Byrne. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been trying since seven o'clock to get uh, get a hold of you. It must have been uh, a storm in the neighborhood. No, uh, Jerry, we we've had we had technical difficulties, and actually, I was the only guy on, and and all I heard was dead air for about fifteen or twenty minutes. And uh, we knew that uh, because some people were messaging us on Facebook, we knew everybody was trying to get in, getting busy signals and everything else. But it was technical difficulties on our part, and uh, we're not really sure what it, what had happened either, but uh, we couldn't get unmuted and uh, uh, okay. couldn't, couldn't, what couldn't was, accept was calls. This was but, Christian's first time being the engineer on the board. And he's still trying to figure all all this stuff and how it works because there's no time to practice except during the show. So yeah, this this is on. Hopefully the job, we've got it worked uh, out. Yeah, 
Okay, and I can understand that, but I, I was I was just listening uh, for the last few minutes. Uh, Brian is on the line. Yeah, Brian's on the line, <laughs> and but anyway, uh, what we'd like to do, Jerry, is um, uh, do you re- do you recall uh, where you were on when the when the planes hit the uh, trade towers on nine eleven? No, yes, I I do. I was on Sixth Avenue, Sixth Avenue in Manhattan. In the uh, midtown, and uh, somebody mentioned that a plane hit into the trade center. So me and two or three other guys ran up to the rooftop, which is about 55, 60 floors up, and we stood in the corner, and then we watched the other plane hit. After the first plane hit, now the second plane come in. We knew this was not an accident, and I don't know why. We don't know who did it at that time immediately. Now, uh, Brian mentioned that they were doing a test with, uh, with nuclear weapons. They didn't know who it was that the Muslims are attacking the United States until late in the afternoon. We, I, I believe we heard something about that about 11, 11 o'clock in the morning. So, Brian, I mean, um, Jerry, you actually saw it happen uh Firsthand. Well, I mean, the rest of us saw it on TV, and I didn't realize you were in you were in Manhattan at that time. I was I was up on I was up on the rooftop, and when I seen that plane, the second plane hit, and we were watching it, uh, my heart felt like it was uh, going to explode. I said, you know, this, this this I couldn't even I couldn't even talk. I uh, I, I told her, I told my boss I'm leaving. I'm going out of the building. I don't care where I'm going, but it's not much staying here. I felt useless without a weapon in my hands. I mean, here's people are attacking us, blowing up our buildings. And then if you look at news clippings later in the day in Saudi Arabia and uh, other locations, they're all dancing in the streets. And these are the people that we're giving money to and helping out. I, I You know, I, I got so disgusted with all of this, I, I can't even believe it. I, you know, we're, 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 we're watching our buildings explode and people jumping out of windows. I mean, you know how how uh, hot it must have been inside the building for somebody to jump out a window, especially up, you know, 80, 80 90 floors? Yeah, That's I can't like, imagine what, what could possibly uh, motivate a person to jump out of a window other than the fire must have been so hot that they, they, there was just nothing else they could do. I mean, uh, you, you'll do anything rather than uh, than be burnt to a crisp. I would think. Yeah, I would think. I would think so. I mean, it, it must have been so intense, and well, yet I couldn't sit around and and, uh, and feel useless. I wanted to get home and uh, you know protect my family with whatever I got. But I, you know, being that I'm, uh, you know, 45 minutes away on a train, and everything in everything in Manhattan was shut down, and I don't believe that anything opened up until about two o'clock in the afternoon. So, so how you did know, you? Well, I, did. I waited. Yeah. I, I waited. I went. I went over near the bridge, and then I heard that the uh, trains at Penn Station was going to open up. So I ran back to Penn Station, got on the train. And uh, I mean, there, there must have been uh, twenty thousand people down there. I mean, the place was packed. 
Everybody mm-hmm. wanted to get home. Nobody wanted to stay in Manhattan because we never knew if, if another plane was coming in. You know, like at any given time. That's why I'm, I'm saying, you know, they do uh, they do all these uh, tests with nuclear weapons, putting them on planes. Why why didn't we use them? Why didn't we just turn around and say, hey, do we know who it was? Who it was? Why didn't we go after them at that time? And that's politics. And well, I'm sure we can go in uh, for days on something like that and talk about that. Well, one one thing, that's exactly Jerry, how I, we felt. I, that's exactly well, I, I how we think... felt. We we just said we already have the nukes on the planes. We know who did it. Let's just send them over there and take care of this. And we felt just as helpless. And we had guns. We had everything, but we couldn't yeah. go anywhere. We couldn't do anything to, you know, to retaliate. Right. I mean, you you feel useless. You you have no no means of, of protecting your family and uh, doing anything, and uh, it's a hardship. I mean, I, I can imagine the people who were. Working down down around that area by Manhattan, they uh, you know I put in elevators, so uh, they wanted me to go down there, and there was no way I would go down there. You know, people said let's go down and see if we can help out, and they afterwards, guys volunteered to go down there, but uh, at that time, I mean that building come down. I did go down the first week in October, and uh, I mean you can smell the fumes down there. So all those chemicals that were down there inside the building in the ground that the city said was safe turned out that it wasn't safe because there's hundreds hundreds of guys that were down there dying of cancer right now. Absolutely. And that's a shame. Okay, gosh, uh, this this is fascinating. I didn't realize that you were right there and, and saw it, Jerry. I'm so glad you're on the show. Christian, is uh, is there anybody else on that we haven't talked to yet? Yeah, we got a whole bunch of people. So, uh, Jerry, I'm going to bring somebody else on here. Yeah, for a go ahead. I'm I'm, I'm just going to stay on and listen in. Sounds good. Okay, as, who who's on now? Nobody uh, uh, yet. Hold on. Okay. We have another five one six area code. Okay. And you're live. Okay, caller. Uh, what's your, what's your name and uh, where are you calling from? Uh, this is uh, number five one five one six four five nine nine four five eight. That's you. Oh yeah, that's me. How you doing? <laughs> okay, uh, uh, who are you and uh, where are you calling from? My name's Joe. I'm calling from Seaford. Uh, you just spoke to Jerry. He's my uncle. Oh, okay, Joe. Welcome to the show. I'm glad you're glad you're on. We're having so many technical difficulties tonight, and I guess uh, we need to, um, you know, we're we're just trying to feel our way through this. And uh, I guess uh, you've you've heard some of the things that uh, we've been talking about. Uh, can you tell us where were you uh, on 9/11 when the uh, towers were hit? No oh, shit. I was uh, I was in third grade when it happened. Um, all I remember is you know all all the guys I uh, went to school with. We were all getting called home one by one, 
none of us knew what, were, what was going on. I mean, we were eight and nine years old. You know, what the hell did we know? But, uh, you know, you come home and all over the radio and all over the TV screens, you see smoke and you see planes smashing into shit. And, you know, the only thing going through your head as a nine-year-old kid is, you know, what the hell am I looking at right now? And, you know, as you get older, and you you hear what actually happened, which you had no idea about, and you think, shit, why didn't we go after these people sooner? You know, I'm, I'm so glad you're on because uh, this, this has really turned out to be the type of show I wanted to be because I, I was hoping we'd get a lot of different perspectives, and I hadn't thought about that. So really what you're saying, Joe, is kids that are, say, 14 years old and younger – they weren't even alive, and they have no idea what what this is all about, or what we're talking about, and the way they the way they do it in schools now. They're probably not even teaching anybody uh, anything about this. So uh, that's really an interesting perspective. Were your parents? Uh, uh, do you recall what their emotions were, or what they were talking about? Well, uh, my dad was an air traffic controller at the time when it happened, and uh, he had come home early. Uh, he was a weather briefer out in uh, MacArthur Airport in Islip, mm-hmm. and he had come home early. And uh, like I said, my mom had picked me up from school, and at, at that point, it was you know, whatever it was, nine thirty in the morning. Nobody knew what was going on really, but you know, I, my dad, as an as a federal worker, he kind of heard everything firsthand. So, uh, you know, it was it was really hard to hear especially as I got older and I started to understand things. Did your family know anyone that was uh, killed in the uh, attack? No, thankfully we didn't. But obviously our hearts went out to all those people who lost loved ones and all those people that died, you know, whether they were first responders or they were victims of the attack, which Mm -hmm. never should happen. Yeah, I've I've met some people through the years that uh, uh, you know had a relative or a close friend that was in the building, and uh, they, it's it still weighs heavy on their hearts. It's, it's still a, a tragic blow to them. I, I guess there's something about this that when when we're here in the United States and we're attacked by somebody from outside the United States, there, there's just there's just something to that that just uh, hits us so hard. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we're supposed to be a superpower. We're supposed to be the most powerful country in the world. And the way things are going, we got to deal with people attacking us, coming after us, and our cops, our firefighters, our military, their hands are getting tied because of what all the morons are doing in Washington. You know, where. Are basically our leaders are asking for us to be attacked again? Well, I, I I'm glad you're calling it the way you see it because the, what we're we're not going to be politically correct on this show tonight. I'm I'm not no, worried about that at all. <laughs> okay, uh, that, that's great. Now, what we want to do. So everybody that's been on has been kind of telling us what's happening, and I hope this is <clears throat> this is of interest and it's enlightening to you all that are on the show and also those who are just listening in to hear these various experiences because uh, this is all coming at me. Uh, you know, I I had no idea what was 
what I was going to hear or what was going to happen. So, Christian, uh, who else do we have on? Uh, let's see. We've got uh, phone number 859-912-9183. Okay, go ahead. and. Uh... Howdy. Can you all hear me? Yes, yes, we Bob can, Claire. caller. Uh, what's your name and, what, and where are you calling from? Hi, my name's Mike Cook, and I'm calling from Newport, Kentucky. Uh, Mark Stark invited me to join. Okay, glad to have you on. Uh, and uh, if you've been listening, you know I'm kind of asking everybody the same questions. By the way, I need to do something. Uh, this is Bill Muckler, and uh, this what you're listening to is uh, WINN, the World Integrity News Network. Our show is called Reach Out America, and uh, we're on on Thursday nights, uh, 7 Eastern, for two hours. And uh, if uh, anybody wants to be on the show, you can call in, and it's uh, area code 516-453-9128. And to get on the show, you press one. So, anyway, uh, Mark asked you to call in. I know uh, we've been talking back and forth over the last few days. So, uh, tell us, where were you uh, and uh, what were you doing when the uh, attack took place? I was home, which at that time was Tucson, Arizona. And I uh, basically saw the whole thing on TV. I turned it on and saw the first tower smoking and was, of course, glued to it after that. And did you know anybody or, you know, what what were you thinking at the time? Uh... Well, my first thought was, you know, just really, I had that sick feeling in the pit of my stomach. Uh, same feeling I got when the Oklahoma City bombing happened, and I, I first heard about that. I think it's the same thing. I think I had a TV at the time. I don't usually have a TV. Uh, I haven't had one for most of my adult life, but I did it at those times uh, fortuitously or whatever. Um, and I wasn't sure what to think. When the buildings came down, and I also saw Building 7 come down uh, later in the day, about 520, I knew that it was controlled demolition. I've been working with steel and concrete okay. for a good portion of my life. I built bridges on and over the interstate. I built uh, all, all kinds of structures with steel and concrete. And I know that the only way you could make that happen is with explosives. Um, so I immediately knew that. And, you know, of course, all the things that follow, like uh, they had to have access to security. You can't sneak, you know tons of explosive materials under your trench coat or whatever. Um, and I was waiting for arrests, you know, waiting for law enforcement to get into gear. And they were uh, following the money initially. Uh, it was one of the first things you want to do. And all of the stock trades, the put options and so on, on the, um, on Wall Street um, were, were, you know, there was a lot of news about that. Bloomberg, Wall, uh, the, the Wall Street Journal, CNN, NBC, CBS, Fox, everybody was reporting on it. And then, like, somebody threw a switch, everybody stopped reporting on it. And that was kind of like when I knew what sort of trouble we were really in. 
you're bringing up a very interesting point that, um, that I, I, I kind of thought we would get into, and this is a point that I'm not, uh, I'm just not that familiar with, and I, I have uh, no idea, you know, how, you know, whether, whether I agree or disagree, I'm extremely open to listening to it, but when you're talking about Building 7, that seems to be the mystery, is that was really across the street from the Twin Towers. So did any of the debris from the Twin Towers fall on Building 7? Yes, uh, uh, no. there was a little bit a little bit of superficial damage. I actually wrote an article for architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. It's called A Picture is Worth a Thousand Words, and it looks at the uh, other buildings, buildings 3, 4, 5, and 6 that did not collapse. You know, there were seven World Trade Center buildings, one and two were the towers, and we were just talking about seven, but buildings three, four, five, and six were damaged far more extensively than seven. And seven was not hit by a plane, and it came down at free fall acceleration right into its own footprint, just in the manner of a classic controlled demolition. I've watched a lot of these uh, independent commissions, uh, especially like the ones from Canada and some of the other European nations, um, and the unanimous decree is that buildings simply don't go into their, they don't fall into their own footprint perfectly unless it's a controlled demolition. And that really, that sets everything else up because you can't, you can't control demolition of building unless you go in and place the explosives exactly how they're supposed to be placed. And you have people with job knowledge who know where to place those charges, where to, where to set them on every floor and, down into the basement, you can't just walk in, you know, or drive in with a van or walk in with a, a, a briefcase or something like that and blow it up. And, you know, from what I understand, these buildings are are so well constructed that if a plane were to hit them, they don't fall down. Uh, their structures are, are, so, are so well designed. Uh, am I wrong? No, you're right. You're exactly right. And actually the Twin Towers were designed to withstand the impacts of, of the largest airliners available at the time, just about the same size of what hit them. Um, and, you know, it, you basically you have two options. You can say that, you know, the Muslims have a really good connection to Allah and managed to suspend the laws of physics on 9-11, or the buildings were brought down by controlled demolition. It's, it violates Newton's laws. It, it's completely impossible for the official story to be true. Okay, uh, you you brought up a real interesting point here, but uh, do we have anybody else to uh, bring on, Christian? Yep, just one second. I'm I'm not trying to cut all you short because we want to continue to talk about this, and it's almost uh, the top of the hour. I'd like to get everybody on to tell a little bit about themselves. And, you know, their experience, and then we can get into uh, what you were just talking about, because I find this of great interest. All right. Uh, phone number 314-323-8145 is on. Okay. Is that is that you, Eric? How are you guys doing? Great. Uh, Eric's from, uh, I, I recognize the area code, 314. Eric's from St. Louis, and actually... Uh, we we both share something in common that we found out last week when uh, Eric called in that we we both lived in Ferguson.
Ferguson, Missouri, and so we're very familiar with that area. And, of course, we we could do a show on that one, too. But, Eric, where were you when the uh, uh, planes hit the Twin Towers? Well, I was here in St. Louis, and uh, I had just moved back. My my mother was getting ready to move into a retirement community. And I had moved back to get her out of the house because the, the neighborhood was going down pretty quick. And it was a pretty tough decision for her. You know, all the kids grew up there. And, and uh, I had a late night at work. And I got up, you know, and she, and I was, I was kind of groggy, you know, and all of a sudden I hear my mom just yell out, man, I got up so quick, you know, I thought she might have fell or something. And she goes, my God, a, a plane just hit the, one of the towers. I go, okay, well, you know, and I was thinking, you know, a Cessna, you know, something smaller, you know, because there's so much air traffic right there. And sure enough... You know, I'm looking, I'm like, wow. I go, man, it's, that wasn't no Cessna. <laughs> and uh, right then is when the second one hit. I'm like, wow, that was no accident. And she broke down, and she was like, we're under attack. I go, I know. We'll be all right, you know. And I went into work, and we work right next to a military installation. And they were already out there welding down the uh, the manhole covers by the the ma- it's not the mapping agency in St. Louis, Bill. It's um, it's up on Goodfellow Boulevard. I don't know if you're familiar. It's up Is by the old the record, the record center? Uh, I guess it's probably the old one. It was right by the, the old, old ammunition center. plant. Okay. You know, with the big, big open top building. It was right by there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, off of Kings Highway. Off of Goodfellow and Highway 70. Or good fellow in seventy. That's right. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. And, uh, uh, Kings Highway runs no, north and south. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Highway seventy. Anyway, uh, right now uh, I want to get back to you, Eric. But right now it's uh, the top of the uh, first hour, and uh, we need to take a break. Everybody, we're listening to uh, Reach Out America on uh, WINN World Integrity News Network, and. Uh, We uh, have uh, people can call in to uh, area code 516-453-9128. And Christian, I think there's some promos. And uh, this is this Christian. This is uh, his first time uh, on the board being our engineer. So uh, I think there's some things we need to do. um... Yeah, I'm working on now. Okay. Yeah, I kind of caught you by surprise here. I'm supposed to let you know about three minutes before, and I'm letting you know, like, uh, a minute after. some noise in the background. It sounds like uh, uh, we've got an airplane flying through the studio. <laughs> Not me, is it? The uh, system's having, apparently, uh, Bobby got a hold of me and let me know that we they were having some issues with their calling system. 
Uh, and I've been noticing it, you know, when I click certain people to activate it, showing other people. And, okay. Uh, so typically we have we have some uh, announcements and promo and promos and everything that we play at the top of the iron. I guess we just won't be able to do that today. Do we, I'm going to uh, play one or two of them that I have here real quick, and uh, okay, we'll see if it works. Okay. For decades now, in the name of fun, food, and entertainment, conservative Christians and patriots have created a monster. And unknowingly, after we spent billions of hard-earned dollars supporting corporations and sponsors, we now see their plan. They systematically have bought politicians to spread their immoral social agenda, and they have sued in court and have successfully closed down the business. I'd say enough's enough, and let's feed this beast no longer. Feed the beast no more. So join our national boycott. They've targeted right now eight corporations and sponsors of media. If they catch that official list, head over to Pastor Sylvester Bland's page, www.theunitedstatesofamerica.us, or call 951-360-3399. Send number again, 951-360-3399, or hit up www.theunitedstatesofamerica, like St. Paul, St. Peter, pluralized, Saints. United States of America, U.S. The Expo in Cholo. Stand there and be aware. Cholo, Arizona, Southwest Shooting Authority, and Liberty for All 3% bring you the next Arms Expo, happening on October 16th through the 18th in Cholo, Arizona. Reach Out America is more than happy to share this information and be vocal in the support of these two organizations standing up for our constitutional rights as humans. Make sure you get to the Expo and Show Love this October. Stand with Southwest Shooting Authority and Liberty for All 3% and get your liberty on. Stand for your rights as guaranteed by the law of the land, the Constitution of these United States. For more information, check out Restoring America's Heritage on Facebook and Liberty for All 3% also on Facebook. Sholo, Arizona is the place to be this October 16th through the 18th. Stand there and be aware. Earth can shake, the sky come down, the mountains all fall to the ground. But I will fear none of these things. Shelter me, Lord, underneath your Okay, welcome back, everybody. This is uh, Bill Muckler on uh, Reach Out America, uh, WINN, uh, World Integrity News Network. Uh, it's about five minutes past the um, the top of the hour, and we've got quite a few guests on and uh, some very fascinating and interesting uh, stories and accounts of their experiences uh, from 9-11, uh, 2001, when the uh, planes hit the uh, two towers, the twin towers. And also, there was a, pl- a plane that struck the uh, Pentagon and one that crashed in the uh, fields in uh, Pennsylvania. So uh, this this was quite an experience. And uh, you're listening to uh, Bill Muckler. I'm the author of 2020, A Clear Vision for America. It's uh, my optimistic blueprint to uh, restore American exceptionalism, and uh, you can uh, find the book on Amazon.com or Barnes and Noble. But uh, I would prefer all my friends who have been asking me forever, uh, "When's the book going to be in uh, print, and will you sign a copy for me?" 
to uh, contact me, and you can do that if you go to the website, and uh, there's there's a, a way there you can click on to uh, email me at admin at 2020americabook.com. All, all of our... Um, all of our information has to do with 2020, our 2020 America book, uh, and the website is .com. Uh, the uh, email account is admin at 2020americabook.com, and uh, I, I want to get books out to everybody. I did a book signing today at the Cocoa Beach Public Library, and uh, that turned out to be very good and uh, been uh meeting with a, a lot of people doing speaking engagements and uh, talking about the book, and everybody really seems to be getting excited about it. In fact, I've had people come up and tell me, uh, uh, my book is thought-provoking, and they're, they're giving me all these accolades, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, what have I created here? So <laughs> anyway, uh, when uh, we took the break, uh, we were talking with Eric, and Eric was uh, telling us his experiences uh, talking with his mom. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, uh, did Did you have did, anything else you wanted to add? Like, uh, did you know anybody that was uh, that was uh, in, in the trade towers at the time, or uh, any, any personal stories? No, I did not. No. Okay, uh, Christian, I'm I'm trying to make sure we get everybody on. Is there still anybody waiting? Yeah, there's still a few people. Okay, let's. Let's try and get everybody on, and then we can have a uh, an open discussion. Okay. Okay, uh, caller, are you on?
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.